Like, how do you guys have time to have so much fun and be creative? It's like we've manufactured it. Um, Mm -hmm. We've created systems to make sure we're intrinsically motivated. Welcome to the Slow and Fast Podcast, where we slow down and break down ideas and techniques to help speed up your creative journey. I'm Stephen Ward, and I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, John Masio. How you doing, John? Doing fantastic, Stephen. How are you doing today? Great, great. Uh, it's getting a little colder in Sacramento, so when uh, Courtney and I go on our walk in the morning, it's like in like the 40s and 50s, so like it's getting a little colder, which I'm enjoying. A, a little 40s and 50s, yeah, like... Okay, being a Cal a Southern California kid, because you you were a Northern kid, I'm yeah, a yeah. Southern California kid. Yeah, you saying that right now? I was like, that's staying in the bed weather. Like, what are you talking about going out for a walk? Like, that's not happening. I'm surprised mm-hmm. Courtney isn't complaining. She's isn't she Southern California? She's SoCal. Yeah, she's uh, she's she, raised in uh, Orange, Orange County. So uh, yeah, she's getting used to it. Nah, never yeah. that. But out here, it's like. The Georgia weather has been temperamental. It's been like rainy. It's been super cold. Mm. Then it's getting humid. I just, this time of year, it doesn't know what it wants to be. All it knows is that the leaves need to fall off the trees. And then like every house and every front yard and backyard is just covered in leaves. And <laughs> it's, you know, in California and Southern California, I've spoiled, like, I never understood the term, like you're spoiled with the weather until I actually moved to, to another state. And I'm like, oh yeah, like. California, I totally get why people would say that about us. And I totally feel that elitism towards weather when I'm like, why is it like this? Like it should be 60 degrees in the morning, 70 degrees all day, and then 60 degrees again at night. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Definitely. We're all spoiled. Uh, I, I, I figured out like the weather in Finland really like slapped me in the face when we got there, it was like nice. It was decent. We got mm-hmm. there just as like spring was kind of leading into into uh, summer. Uh, so we got there, and it was like, oh no, this is actually pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Like you know, little drizzles mm. here and there. Like you know, the weather's pretty nice. We just wear a jacket outside, and then the summertime came around, and it's like just ridiculous humidity. And I mean, like it was maybe like 80 degrees, maybe maybe upwards of 90, which doesn't sound like awful, but you add that humidity in, it's just disgusting. We were as soon as you said melting. 80 degrees, and I was thinking of humidity, I was because out here when it does that, I'm I, it's, it's like the yeah. I just feel like this. I, I I'm not a fan of humidity. <laughs> um, I was not meant for this weather. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as much as I miss California weather. I don't miss California. I haven't missed California yet. The only things I've been like, oh, it would be nice is when it comes to the food, but specifically Los Angeles food, everything else in California, I'm like, eh. Um, I haven't really missed Disneyland, haven't missed any amusement parks, but when it comes to the food, because where I'm at, there's no... It's like fried chicken sandwiches everywhere. It's very hard (laughs) to find anything of... I I don't know how to say it but this is like it's not a very cultured uh area i'm in culturally and diverse yeah and yeah. uh atlanta is a little too far away and yeah. i'm always working right now so until i have a team of people who can do everything else that i'm doing i can't really just 
get away. It always cracks me up because my family's like, oh, let's go here. It's like a two hour drive away. It's not that bad. I'm like, you don't understand. That's two hours I don't have to work on something. Like, I just, I, I, I'm not there quite yet, but I will mm -hmm. be. And when I am there, then yeah, sure. We can, it'll be on me too, because by then I'll be able to uh, afford to treat you guys to a bunch of like nice food and I'll pick the establishments because my family, as much as I love them, they don't know how to pick. I, I like food to be an experience. Sure. So, you know, they're like, oh, we just want to eat and maybe see places. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't like seeing places. We're going to eat at a place where it's like, oh, this is, this is cool. And then we go home because I just, I'm not a walker either. So totally different people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fine. That's fine. Make it work. Right. I, yeah. Steven, it, I, I remember, uh, we went to this place in Los Angeles called perch and it's like yes. this rooftop restaurant. I absolutely love this restaurant. If you're ever in Los Angeles and you can get reservations, go because it, Again, it is an experience, but it's the food's amazing. It's just a cool place to be at. And I didn't I always knew Steven was kind of plain Jane, super simple when it came to food, but it wasn't until we got there and he was kind of like, hmm. And I was like, Well, there's this thing. He's like, Yeah, see, like when it comes to food, it's just fuel. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's totally not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean that like was, that, uh, that that's something that's kind of born out of necessity. Uh Plus a background raised in a, in a house with uh, very few spices on the table, so I mm. never got to enjoy food the way that a lot of other people enjoyed food. You know, it's like my mom when my mom cooked, she made things pretty bland on on purpose because she has I don't know some sort of condition or whatever that makes her taste buds like super sensitive. So like ground black pepper actually physically hurts her, right? So like oh, wow. so like that that's you know so she cooked for us. And for herself so we ended up having very very plain staples throughout our lives but also like you know campbell's uh, uh tomato soup and grilled cheese was like a, 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 a fancy dinner you know um mm. so yeah like i kind of just had this mindset that it's just like okay well food is food and it is just meant to just fill my belly it has its purpose and that's it and then like that's i've grown out of that more mm -hmm. since moving out finding spices watching youtube and like trying to figure out how to cook certain dishes and knowing what i like what i don't like um yeah, yeah. I've, I've grown quite a lot over the years but that still is like kind of a stable is like food is food and yeah yeah i mean i have complete opposite i'm hispanic so <laughs> it's like food is an event mm -hmm. and that's the one thing with being Hispanic is like, I, I also have, you know, growing up, my mom's side of the family is very close by and they all can cook. Everyone can cook. So if, if there was always food at someone's house and it was never like one person's eating, it's always like a bunch of people are eating. So yeah, a little food. But anyways, yes. enough about that. Now we need to talk about what drives us. Cause I know food drives me and is a huge motivator in my <laughs> life, but this episode is part one in like a three-part series, but each episode can be its own individual thing. And we're going to be talking about one of the books from one of our mutually favorite authors, Daniel Pink. Mm -hmm. And this book is called Drive. And it's an older book, but if you were to read it today, I read this book last year. And what surprised me about this book was that the information inside of it 
was relevant to 2021, 2022, but it was written in 2009. That's how far ahead of the curve this author was and what he was talking about in this book. And it blew my mind because I was reading it. Stephen had recommended the book When. Mm -hmm. So I got the book When, and then I, um, I have this book app called Libby, and if you don't have it, you should download it. It's absolutely free. And what it does, you do need like a, a digital library card. Um, most libraries will allow you to get a library card online, but you need to sync that to your Libby app. And then you can digitally rent any digital copy of a book or audiobook within your library. So I did that and I found the book Drive and I listened to it and it blew my mind. I told Steve, I was like, you need to listen to this book too, because my goodness, it... What it covers from somebody coming from a company that I was already was like, how do I get out of this company? What's my next move? What do I do? And really also reflecting on, you know, I'm older. So I was like 35 when I read this book um, and being older, I was like, Stephen, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when you're older, I say 35, like it's so old, but when you're a creative <laughs> and you're getting in and you're older than 24, you know, and you're wanting to make a life change, like change jobs, like completely start fresh. It's a little terrifying, but then you have to ask yourself and really reflect like what has motivated me in a positive way for the past several years, like going to a nine to five job, just to have a job. I'm not going to stay driven. I'm mm -hmm. not going to stay motivated, right? So I already knew that about myself that I I couldn't compromise on what was going to keep me motivated to stick to a job for forever. And I know a lot of older people, boomers, uh, like to think that no, a job is just a thing you go to, and even when you're depressed, you work through it and you just get through it. And it's like that's a terrible way to live because I've seen so many people do that, and I'm like, that's the fucking opposite of what I want. Like, I do not want that shit for myself because the last thing I want is to wake up at like 40 or 45 and be like, oh yeah, I got 10 more years of doing this bullshit, but uh, then I get to retire with a full pension. Like, yep. that's just not in my DNA. Um, yeah. I, I, how about you? When you decided to make the change, were you kind of in the same thing, like thinking about? motivators and drive and past jobs and what to stay clear for from and stuff like that i have always had a uh, difficulty with motivation like always i mean like you can ask uh, so many people from my past and and they would say that i'm a lazy procrastinator and really what i found out uh as, as i went along it was like no i wasn't lazy or procrastinator it's just that i didn't like i had a hard time with motivation on things that i either didn't like to do or mm -hmm. didn't find any value in doing. So a lot of like the, mm -hmm. the menial tasks that you're given during a job that it's like, this makes no sense to do. Why the fuck am I doing that? And it, it like, it didn't seem fair to do it and there was no point in doing it. So I always dragged my feet in doing it. When it came to things that I actually really enjoyed that I found challenging or interesting, like I would take to it and just absolutely hyper fixate on it. Um, so anything that I find uh intriguing novel challenging fascinating like that's the stuff that i really like take to immediately mm. gotcha yeah that makes sense i i'm kind of the same way when it comes to like motivation i i'm basically the t my personality type has always been like what's the hardest thing someone can do in whatever thing and can i do it and i go and try to pull it off so <laughs> With working in fast food, 
I was like, how hard is it to become an assistant manager in like two years? And I did it and I was like, okay, cool. Like I've always been that personality type where I'm like, okay, most people can't achieve this level of thing. So I want to do it just because like, I'm curious if I can and how hard is it really? And all of it's hard. Like, I'm not saying it's not hard. Like all of it's hard. I'm just, I'm just really fucked when it comes to my wiring and that that shouldn't be normal, but that's what excites me. Like in a sense, hyper fixating on like, okay, what's that thing I want to achieve? But in being that way, some of the things that I would decide to take, go down the path of were things that actually weren't like doing the assistant manager thing or in a bank, granted a bank, the bank was a great job in the sense that I got benefits, but having to deal with so many different personalities and people and money and see how people react to money. That was like a finance education that I'm really glad I had and went through. And it's one of those jobs that I, I, I hate, but I also loved that I endeared it for so long because it really helped me figure out what motivates people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was one of the reasons why switching into marketing was a little bit easier for me because I every day I would help like 20 to 30 people minimum, no matter what. And some days that would be more people, but 20 to 30 people, unique life experiences, and there's commonalities in what drives people and their psychographics, money motivation. And it. when I decided to jump into music full-time, I was like, I was driven by the sense of purpose at that point. And mm-hmm. I was like, I need to make music happen because it's, I, I don't just wanna go be good at a job just cause I'm determined to be good at whatever I do. I wanna go work at a job to where I'm, I'm passionate about what I'm, striving for and that I'm essentially going to be fulfilled, not only was it like career wise, but also creatively. And I know for a lot of creatives, staying driven is really, really, really difficult because Mm -hmm. like you said, unless you're motivated, it's very hard for you to be into something. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about it in, in creative calling where you have to have discipline, but also manufacture creativity and i honestly steven from where i know you say you have to be motivated i think you've gotten much better since i've known you at like getting even if something's boring you understand the importance and then you can get it done even though in your brain you're like i fucking hate every second of this and i i know there's been times when you have that of course of course well so let's you know we've been talking about motivation for a bit we've talked about money we've talked about um you know what what drives people let's let's pull some of the the framework from the book and kind of you know frame our discussion with within what he was saying in the book so like the ideas of like motivation uh and he talks about like the motivation 1.0 as far as like ancient humans just wanted to survive wanted to wanted to you know have have kids and and just you know all of maslow's lowest hierarchy you know food shelter Mm. comfort right uh, motivation 2.0 is what business was built on was the carrots and sticks, right? You either yeah. offer people carrots or you beat them with sticks to either get the uh, outcome that you want or discourage the outcome that you don't want, right? Yeah. Uh, motivation 3.0 is what Daniel Pink says is the most efficient, most positive, you know, and best way to really motivate yourself, motivate your company, motivate your kids, the people around you. And a lot of that has to do with intrinsic rewards rather than extrinsic rewards, ex- external yeah. rewards. Um, yeah. Because money 
and, and or discipline can sometimes actually decrease efficiency and motivation within people depending on the tasks that they are required to do. And that's the difference between logical tasks and heuristic or artistic creative tasks. Yeah. And what's really interesting, again, this book was written in 2009. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to... 2021, I'm listening to this book and I'm realizing my whole life has been motivation 2.0 mm -hmm. in terms of how I'm managed, how people are trying to get things out of me, because that's what every generation has known and has been taught to use. And in business school, you're taught how to, you're basically taught the principles and strategies to implement a motivation 2.0 type of work environment where you dangle the carrot in front of someone if they don't give you what you're required, you know, with a stick. And it's kind of like so counter opposite to what our culture is going through at the moment. And that's why when I was reading this book, I was laughing because right after the pandemic hit, we were having people quitting jobs because they were making people going back into the office. And they're like, You've, we've obviously proven for the past two years that a lot of what we're doing can be done from working at home. Like we don't mm -hmm. need to go into the office. And the people realized they were having better work-life balances and the intrinsic reward that they were receiving from doing all this work at home meant more to them than the paycheck of going to that company and them realizing, no, I can actually go find another company that I align with and that will give me that that balance, that intrinsic reward of life balance that I so seek. So then we got the great resignation and everyone's like, every company is dealing with people quitting because it's not, it's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like pa the pandemic proved a lot of things, but one of those was the old way of doing things. Motivation 2.0 wasn't going to work for most of um, most millennials and Gen Z anymore. Like we're just programmed differently. We don't want to be miserable like our parents. And when people say you just go to work and like your work friends are just like work people, they're your coworkers and your friends. And a lot of us, it's like, no, we've grown up working with our friends and becoming friends mm -hmm. with the people we work with just cause you're there for 40 hours a week. How am I not gonna like try to be friends with somebody? Uh, it was really interesting cause around this time my dad was working remotely and he was having for he's always worked in an office so for him he's a counter to my argument and he's like yes i could do it from home but i should i want to go to the office two days a week because i want to be uh i want to feel like i'm work I'm, I'm at work like i i don't feel like i've been at work and i'm like that's just so weird to me because i'm working five days a week upstairs remotely and i feel like i'm always at work and mm -hmm. i don't feel disconnected and he's like well when you're in a in a, in a building with people you kind of like, you feel like you're a part of something. I was like, I feel like I'm a part of something now, digitally, online. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, and it's just really interesting to see that counterculture yeah. and reading the book and listening to my dad talk. I'm like, man, like this book was written in 2009 and these differences and ideologies are right here in my household and mm -hmm. I can see it and I can hear it in conversation and lead that now that's leading to uh, the, the newest thing is quiet quitting which I 100% believe is the right thing to do. But you see a lot of, and if you're not familiar with this phrase of quiet quitting, it is essentially employers being upset that when you're, when you're, when you're done working at five, you're, you're done working at five. Mm -hmm. That's called the quiet quitting, essentially. To me, that's just called having healthy boundaries with your job. Like, but to a lot of older people, it's like, no, you work until the work's done and you grind even harder and you like show up at 110%. It's like, fuck that. That's your dream, not mine. Why would I do that for me? And this book 
just goes into it in such great detail. And mm-hmm. what I'm noticing more, and I've noticed with Steven and myself is motivation 3.0 is what we seek. And we, I didn't know that until this book. Um, do you want to, you want to talk more about the intrinsic value? Um, I, th- I think some of the aspects, like just to to briefly talk about like the the whole pandemic and work you know work from home kind of situation. What I think that that accidentally kind of instilled in a lot of work environments is this return uh, as this um, results oriented work environment, which they kind of go mm-hmm. over in the book. Is that if the results happen, it doesn't matter how much time you spent on them. It doesn't matter what you did on them, because what that does instill is a lot of autonomy. That instills a lot of purpose and it also like allows you just to be like, okay, well, you know what? This task is four hours long. I get the rest of the day to myself. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find the most efficient way that I can possibly do this, get it done. So that way I can spend time with my family. I can spend time reading a book, going outside, touching some grass, you know, whatever you want to do. So, um, (laughs) but I think that that's, you know, those elements are really important when you're talking about motivation 3.0 and that intrinsic value is, is autonomy and purpose. Mastery is also incredibly important, you know, being able to try and, master the tasks that you have at hand so you can get them done as quickly as possible, efficiently as possible, as high a quality as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the pursuit of mastery is also never ever going to end as well because things are always going to come up that you can you know implement in your systems. Like like John, you, our systems have changed you know considerably over the past several months we've we've always always found new iterations on how to do things just to get that much better and better um mm-hmm. and i think that that all leads to a much much healthier work environment yeah and it's so with the intrinsic value it's it's such a so when we show up to do this podcast the intrinsic value for us is obviously we enjoy each other's company and talking about whatever nerdy thing we want to talk about on this particular day, but also it's knowing that we're serving an audience and our community by talking about these things that aren't easily, it's not topics that are to talk about motivation. Mm -hmm. Most creative people just stay away from this topic or it's like, go get it done or hustle culture mentality. Whereas we're, we're really diving into like, okay, but what are, what are healthy ways to like stay motivated and to do these things and being aware of it? Because if you're trying to have a creative business, reading this book drive is going to be really incredibly helpful in understanding yourself, like Steven stated, but also your team that you bring on board. Mm-hmm. So for example, Steven and I have this podcast together, but now recently Steven has joined me over at my other company, Plugin Alley, and he's helping me as a producer and editor. And the, the work relationship there is a little bit different, but we're f- I'm finding, okay, how do I keep Steven like motivated? How do I keep this exciting for myself too? Because I think what plagues most creative industries is like once you get into a flow, it becomes monotonous and you lose that, that motivation to do it. And for me, the intrinsic value is like, what, how can this individual video make Steven and I laugh and also serve a greater audience. That's all I want is I want the video to be entertaining and educational. How do we do that? Granted, when you watch the A roll of those videos, it's very boring, but it's what it's pulling off the the video at the end and being like, all right, I'm stoked. And I know Steven gets stoked too. He's like, all right, that was, that was fun. That mm-hmm. was, 
not how I was expecting it to turn out. Because, yeah, when you watch the A-roll, it's like, man, this is boring as fuck. Like, you have to have imagination of where it's going to go. And if you're building a team that's creative, you have to constantly ask yourself, you bring on someone like a junior editor or a a photographer, if you're doing photography and you bring on someone who's like an assistant or something like that, you have to question yourself and ask yourself, what is the intrinsic motivation for them to want to show up every day? Besides they're going to be learning from me. Cause I think that mindset in creatives is like, well, they're just around. So they're going to learn. I think that's motivation 2.0 in my opinion. I, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of what was going on at the last company I was with. It was like, just cause I'm, you're around, that should be more than enough when it's like, well, no, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm a part of something. I just feel like I'm around something and mm-hmm. I'm maybe lucky to observe some things, but it's like my, the, the intrinsic value that I had prior to joining was gone because before it was like, I was, I had the uh, autonomy. I was being allowed to like master skills. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, no, like just being, I wanted more and nothing was being provided. So at that point it was like, okay, cool. So I'm just like, watching now like i'm not intrinsically motivated to wake up every day anymore to do this job it's very like on paper this is a great job but this is just such i there's nothing to master there's i have no autonomy and i don't feel like i have any purpose or anything because i'm just kind of being put to the sidelines how 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 would you say you felt as a creative at your your last job steven uh yeah so at the very beginning um I was assured that I would have creative control. I was assured that I had a pretty wide lane to work within. And obviously I'm working for a company, so I have to make sure the content is is, is benefiting that company, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, benefiting the consumer base of the company. And to me, that's community building, right? If you have a strong community that's going to stay with the company for the long term, then the life of that company is assured, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, as we went along, I felt like my autonomy, I felt like my creativity, I felt like my ability to have lateral movement between, you know, subjects and what I could bring to the community got, you know, less and less and less. So it felt less like I was serving a higher purpose, you know, for the community and more just the aims of the bottom line of the company. And, mm-hmm. and to me, that sort of you know, lack of autonomy, lack of purpose really started to make what I was doing very, very tedious, very, very much a grind and became far less enjoyable because it was, it was not really, you know, it, it became motivation 2.0 because there was, you know, like the, the carrots and the sticks started coming out towards the end. And it was just like, well, that's not going to be, that's not helping me because yeah, everything that I was doing was creative and you know as i said earlier like carrots and sticks don't really work with creative work no creative people don't respond well to that type of thing like so when steven and i were talking about um the future of the podcast one of the things was and i think i mentioned episodes like we want to make sure that we bring on other creatives who use us as a launch pad like that's that's one thing i want to be very very mindful of is like i don't really want to find a lifer unless it's like a a podcast manager at some point that we'll need um someone that you know they need to be the captain to drive the ship and keep the creatives involved but i really really want to bring on creatives who the intrinsic value is not to just to be around but 
Stephen and I are also very big on like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. And giving feedback uh, in that nature. And to me, it's like, we create an environment to where it's like, hey, yeah, like Monday through Thursday, you do this, this, and this, this. Um, and then Friday through Sunday, you do your own thing. Like you need to be creating though. You need to be consistent. You need to be following what we're saying, you know, follow our example, use that as a motivator for you to be like, Oh, I can be creative and still have a career and creatives. If we were to bring creatives in, giving them deadlines and then not giving them anything else, they're going to, it would just be a turnstile, you know, like people would be coming in and out of this thing. And I want to be really mindful of that moving forward because I read this book and I was like, I want to serve and help other creatives and be a place where like a talent pool, talented people just, oh yeah, I worked at, I worked with John and Steven for this amount of time. They're like, do they just breed talent? And it's like, no, we don't breed anything. We just teach creatives how to be productive as creatives and not get stumped by, you know, falling into motivation 2.0 or working for clients who are going to have motivation 2.0 standards, which is another thing as a creative is being really careful about the bands, the artists, the people you work with. I, I have a, one of my, one of my friends, uh, was working for an artist and the artist literally was like, you work for me when I want you to work. Cause I'm paying you type of thing that, you know, that contract ended right then and there, but they were like, <laughs> no, like, I don't, uh, this isn't a like corporate job where you can call the CEO. Like I am the CEO, I am HR, I am everything. And no one's going to talk to me. Like I am a piece of their, like I, they, they own me. No, here's your refund. Go fuck yourself and move on. And being a creative, we have to be very aware of like some artists and clients and people we work with and we'll take up jobs with will want they will basically have the carrot and stick routine embedded into how they manage us being creative. And we have to, that's why it's so important to have a process of how you onboard people and setting up the boundaries and the standards from get go of like, all right, this is what you're allowed to have commentary on. This is what you're not. There's no threatening me. There's no get this and this done. Cause you're paying me. It's like, that's not, that's not going to fly here. So mm -hmm. keeping that in mind when you are starting your business, bringing on clients and also bringing on people you work for. I, Man, I can't tell you, like, not having a purpose and what you're doing is just the worst. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to make two small points um, because this book is very nuanced when it comes to motivation. And I do want to make it make sure that we are addressing it to its fullest extent. Uh, they do note, and the studies do show, carrots and sticks do work when it is purely logistical or routine work. I do want to make that that clear. And also... Uh, motivation 3.0 works when the person is receiving an adequate base pay as well, because I don't want people to think that, oh, well, you know, I can just tell this person that, uh, that I'm hiring that, you know, oh, it's for a higher purpose or whatever. And they'll just, they'll just, you know, in, internally be super, so motivated, but no, no, no. Like the person has to be adequately getting a competitive rate. Whether that yeah. is monetary, whether that is through some other means of, you know, value that you are giving this person, education, you know, perks, whatever. You know, I do want to make sure that those two points are addressed as clearly as possible. Yeah. So basically, I talk, I talk bluntly and Stephen just wants you all to understand the practicality of there are baseline measurements to everything you just yes. said. Um, I mean, because it feeds into I, the idea of doing like free project work. 
right? And because and yeah. we've, we've talked about that at, at, at length before. Like, oh, you should just do free project work just because. And it's like, no, no, no. No, because like you just said, the baseline and the intrinsic value isn't there when you do free work. That's why I'm always like, okay, free work only makes sense if the output is greater than what you're put basically what you're putting in. So yes, a lot of artists are like, Oh yeah. Like if you could do this for free, like we're going to tell our cousin this and that's like, fuck off. Like <laughs> I, you, you don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. No, it's, it's uh, I hate the advice of just take what you can get to get better. It's like, no, because time isn't, you can't just make more time up. It just, that doesn't work. But if you have an artist who is established, that's willing to give you a shot at a fraction of your rate, because again, they're giving you a shot and you knock it out the park, the next time you're mm -hmm. going to get the full rate. If you're going to take on an artist that you believe has potential and you've asked them questions about how they're going to market and you're like, okay, they have a good marketing strategy, a good plan. They're not just going to fall over. Then it's like, okay, it's worth not taking anything because you mm -hmm. want to essentially put your name on that project. But that happened. That is such a rare occasion. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I honestly have never heard of a story where someone did work for free and the artist ended up killing it and take, helping them in their career and their bookings. Like I've never heard of that, at least not at an average level. Now at a professional level, people get points and other things like that when it comes to music and recording, but not like a starting level. Like that shit just is, that just doesn't happen. And people are fed this lie of, Hey, I want you to be motivated on this project, but I'm not going to pay you like, but I'll give you a shout out on Instagram. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Who has time for that? Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. That's a whole nother rep, but <laughs> that, that was a really, really good point when it comes to like free work and how people view it. Mm -hmm. And what, what happens when you do take on those projects? If you haven't already by the middle of it, you're so over it. Mm -hmm. You can't wait to not do that project again. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. All because you were desperate for the yes. Yep. Yeah. So just wanted to make sure that we address that because I don't want people to get the wrong impression from this episode. Yeah. Man, creatives are like toddlers, man. We're so temperamental <laughs> in how we have to be handled. And it, it's like, because like, this is such a boring thing to think about as a creative, right? But it's so crucial and detrimental to the success of your business. Cause as a creative, you are a business. And I know that's so many, I just imagine like 24 year old me hearing someone called being creative, like a producer, a mixer, a photographer, a videographer, a business. I'm like, ugh, no, that's the man. I don't want that. But it's the truth. Like these are important factors. Like Steven, I have to know what motivates Steven. And Steven has to know what motivates me. And we have to make sure that we're keeping each other motivated as partners in this business. Otherwise, if we weren't both intrinsically motivated, we would not be able to be recording all these episodes. Like it just wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. I don't, like what, what did we have to do to even get this started? We had to basically tell ourselves, we just need to do it and see what happens. And mm -hmm. because prior to that, there was very little motivation. Like there was a little motivation, but it wasn't like, Oh, now we're doing it. But we made the commitment and we said, let's do this. And what do we want to achieve? How do we do this in a way to where we stay motivated? Because we were conscious of that at the beginning too. Oh yeah. How to record these episodes, um, scheduling, what are our goals? Because if we just went into it blindly, it's it's so easy as a creative, if you don't have a goal post to just, you don't know where something's going. You just get bored with it. I, uh, do you ever get that way, Steven? I, either bored or burnt out. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, it, that that is is just as likely for me as like just to get like I uh, just can't can't do it anymore. Like if that if that purpose isn't there, then you know motivation drops out, and suddenly you're just kind of like slogging through, and just you're 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 spending more energy just to try and upkeep, making yourself more and more tired as you go. Like it's it's. I'm glad they were doing this podcast the way we're doing it because it is just a much more sustainable venture than I feel that we would have done prior to this, you know? Oh yeah. Like 20, like we haven't recorded an episode in like what? Three, four weeks. Yeah. And it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because we, we, so I'm the dork that figures out the schedule for everything. Yeah. And based on how we're recording and our output, I'm like, okay, if we do it this way, Steven and I can take like three weeks off in between our batch of podcasting. And for us, that's like fantastic because if we had to show up every single, so it's basically like two weeks of being packed with film recording, like up to eight episodes, but then we get like three weeks off to like breathe and think about the podcasts and topics we want to talk about and then life happens and then we're like oh cool let's cover let's move this episode to here and this episode here so we can talk about this topic now that's fresh on our minds whereas if we were doing this like four episodes every single week or doing like a weekly episode i there's just no way either one of us would be able to keep that up for more than i think we would have a shelf life of six months yeah i I think um i think that those breaks also do um you know, I'm trying to refer to the book as much as possible, but I think that also allows us time to pursue projects and ideas that we want to pursue outside of the podcast. Like, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned before, like I'm, I'm coming on as like producer and editor for, um, for your plug and alley videos. I'm also creating content for my own channel and, you know, the ability to like vary up the work like that keeps everything fun and interesting, you know, because it allows you to take up that time that, you know, it's like I don't have to be spending all 40 hours of my work week focused solely on this this podcast. Like I can go like, you know what? I want to make a video on lighting. I'm going to go do that. Cool. And mm-hmm. then figure that out. You know, cuz that's all creative work. That's going to keep me fresh when I come back into this because I'm also taking the time in the morning to read these books. Um I've I've read I've read Drive, almost the entirety of Drive over the past like week just to like make sure I'm fresh for this episode. Um but yeah, taking that time, taking that free time, like at least like, you know, I would say at least 20% is a good, good round number to say like, okay, I'm going to spend 80% of my time on my work and then 20% to work on creative projects that I'm interested in keeps that 80% that much more fresh when you come back into it. Yeah. It's so interesting. You're at 80%. I'm actually, I'm at about 70%. I, I, right I only now. use that as just a, 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 a an example. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, I'm thinking, so I've been really good for the past like month and a half, two months of all my work needs to be done Monday through Thursday. I'm really pushing myself to create this, this new work habit of Monday through Thursday from about 10 to five or six. That's my work week. And really taking the whole deep work approach of like, okay, for like an hour and a half, I just work on this thing on an hour and a half here and there. Um, and I've actually been amazed at the output because like nothing has really changed. I've just been better at managing my time. And it's 
my motivation is like I've worked the seven day a week job before and 14 hour days. I don't want that. And I don't believe it's necessary. I believe the only time something like that is necessary is when you work in an environment where shit that should be done by a certain time isn't being done by a certain time. So things get postponed or put on um, pause and it's allowed because the culture has allowed for this to be created. And even with the podcast now, like I've been, I've been experimenting with this personally Monday through Thursday. And I know Steven still does like Monday through Friday. Um, there's a couple of books that we're going to do on the podcast. So Steven has to read them and then we can get on the same mindset for 2023 on this. <laughs> but I've, I, I have noticed that working Monday through Thursday and being totally focused, it doesn't burn me out, but then having Friday, Saturday and Sunday to explore other things to like, even though I say I don't work, like I'll still watch videos or like make notes of business strategies that I think are interesting, but I won't actually like do hard work. Like this is like low RAM stuff that I'm doing. And I spend a lot of time watching TV shows, um, TikTok, reading books just to refresh. And it keeps me motivated to show up and keep grinding and doing this. Um, not grinding in the sense of exhausting myself, but knowing that, okay, I have between 10 and two o'clock to knock out all this stuff. That's, that's my deadline and like shutting out the world and like getting it done. And then once I get it done, it feels so good. And I feel so I, I'm like, okay, I'm mastering this, this skill and how knowing that like I'm meeting all my deadlines, both companies are doing well and I'm hitting everything that I want to hit. It just, I'm like, okay, so why did I work seven days a week for 14 hours before? Um, oh, because I wasn't working in a culture where the owners had that in mind, where they were building the system. And that's the base of what I want to build for creatives is like, Hey, we're not your Monday through Friday type job where you're going to be here grinding away your soul for us. No, I want people to have Saturdays and Sundays for their families. I want them to have Friday to be creative on a fun day of the week. I don't want to give people Mondays off. Fuck that. No, work the Monday through Thursday. Take the Friday off, you know, unless you want to work Tuesday through Friday. Just know that I'm not in the office. So any questions, yeah. they're not coming out of me. Um, but finding and you know keeping in mind like salaries and th stuff like that I, I keep that all in mind but i'm really big on change like i want the culture of both companies to be very different so when people come on board they're like this is not like how do you guys have time to have so much fun and be creative it's like we've manufactured it um mm -hmm. we've created systems to make sure we're intrinsically motivated to do all this and i think for me the biggest takeaway of the book was realizing like intrinsic motivation is so huge for me. And whereas people I've worked for in other companies, they were all very uh, motivation 2.0, where it was like, do this, get that. If not, you get the stick. And I just don't, I can't work like that anymore. I've, I grew past it. So totally recommend this book for anyone who's a creative, just so you, you learn what, what drives you. And the book has exercises too, to help you figure out you and your teams and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding people's motivations will help you better as a creative because when you're working with a client that isn't motivated but you have to get the job done what's going to motivate them what are what are some you know strategies you can use to put in place to help create an environment where you can get the job done too and not having to reschedule and come back yeah
Yeah, there, there's a whole section called the uh, Type I or Intrinsic Motivation, if you want to call it that, uh, toolkit. And it has like a full list of strategies for personal motivation, work motivation, even like raising your kids to be healthily motivated. It's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. I couldn't, I couldn't recommend it, rec- recommend it enough. Toy. Well, yeah. Unless you have anything else to add, I think that's a good spot to wrap up the episode. I agree. So if you found this episode helpful, please share it with somebody, you know, who would also find value in this episode. If you'd like to continue this discussion with John and I, you can find a link to our show's discord server in the description of this episode, wherever you are listening. If you want even more motivation to help your creative goals come to life, we have started up our ramp up newsletter. If you'd like to sign up, you can find a link in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Thank you. Thank you.